And my name's Steve. Um, I'm one of uh, Santa's helpers down here at MKCC. And it's great to see so many of you with us this afternoon here, Christmas Eve. And I'm here to spend a few minutes talking to you about a message to do with Christmas. I wonder uh, what's going to define a good Christmas for you this year. Um, I-, I wonder if it'll be the, the size of your Christmas stocking. I wonder if that's... Can anybody remember putting out things that were this small when they were a kid? Okay, that's still only you, Jill. Um, but they used to put them out this small, Christmas stockings, and I suppose the kind of good Christmas would be defined by the size of the gifts you got inside it. So actually, we evolved, didn't we? And we kind of... Uh, we got past the Christmas stocking. And we moved on. And we moved on to... Bigger stockings, bigger stockings, clearly not worn by people unless they've got a broken ankle or something like that. So we moved on to Christmas and so maybe this defines how good your Christmas is going to be because this will define how big the gifts are, that you, won't it? So we moved on uh, and we got, we got rid of that uh, and uh, this is one of my favourite Christmas inventions and, uh, uh, and, and it's a Christmas sack. That was a much better idea, wasn't it? Getting something even bigger. And, and I always used to have a Christmas sack. Well, to be more accurate, it was, um, it was, a, it was a Christmas pillowcase. You know, you had those? And um, there was nothing more exciting than waking up early on Christmas morning. And children, if you are listening to me, then you have my permission to wake up at any time after half past three tomorrow morning. <laughs> Just rush into your parents. They'll love it. They'll love it. You know, I can say that because my grandkids aren't here. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha. And yeah, I used to kind of go in. Any time after four was good. And I used to be so excited going into my parents' room to see if Father Christmas, if the gifts he'd brought me were so big that, that actually he'd not only filled the kind of Christmas pillowcase, but he'd had to kind of lie a few of them up against my mum and dad's bed. Oh, ho, ho. That was going to be a good Christmas, and, I, and I, can, I can remember how excited I would be, and I would kind of scramble into bed between my mum and dad and my two sisters, their older sisters. They would, they would kind of get in at the bottom of the bed, and, and together we would see how good we had been that year. Mm. But it's tough when you're 20 years of age. You know, not much room in those beds. And... Uh, I remember I used to kind of plow down into kind of my pillowcase and I used to go for the big ones. I wasn't interested in the little ones. Oh, yes, yeah, selection box, get out of that. And I used to go for the big box. I wanted to see what was in the big boxes. I can't help noticing, actually, that uh, toy manufacturers have gone completely mad on packaging, haven't they? I was out there buying some gifts for um, uh, a few of my uh, uh, granddaughters and I could not believe how much packaging you need for a Polly Pocket. That is, just, that is just bizarre, isn't it? Or, or, or what's another? Shopkins. Shopkins. They, they sell these little things. They can only be about that big. But they're in this huge parcel. It's gone mad. And that's before Amazon have got hold of it. Because I'm absolutely certain Amazon have got a job lot of oversized boxes they're trying to get rid of. And a whole roll of brown paper. So it doesn't matter how big the order is, it always goes in one of these great big boxes. And there it is. Size. I, over the years, have come to realize that the gifts I got, actually the better ones weren't always the biggest ones. 
I learned that sometimes even the smallest things after years have become more precious than any of the big ones did. Actually, I um, own a company that um, employs me, um, which is a good idea. And, um, and we give out a gift every, every year um, to our valued customers. And I know you're going to get excited about this. I know you're all going to want one. But I thought I'd bring one along to show you. And you can see why they're all excited and why we have so many customers. And here it is. <laughs> calm down now, calm down. Calm down. Now, some of you are already thinking, wow, that's a pen. That's a pen, but it's more than that. It's more than that. It's not only a pen. See, that's the pen. That's good, isn't it? Do you like it? It's very nice and shiny. And, but actually, it's also, if you've got like an, a tablet, I don't, I don't mean pills. I mean those computer things. Or, or one of those touchscreen telephones they do now. You can, you can use the end of this because it's one of those nice squidgy ends and you can write things on it. Isn't that good? Hey, but that's not it. There's more. No, there's more. Are you ready for this? Just, just hold the person next to you because it's quite exciting. And because uh, there's more. Look, are you ready? Are you ready? Okay, that's enough excitement for the day. It's just totally amazing, isn't it? Totally amazing. And you thought it was just a pen. See how quickly you'd have kind of missed the whole point of the gift if you'd have jumped to that basic conclusion. I know you want one, but you're not, you're not having it. Okay, that's the end of it. I have to say that, to believe this or not, the Christmas account has a similar theme involved. The theme of a present so small, a gift so small, that if you weren't paying attention, you could actually miss the importance of the gift. The Christmas account is, um, is in two books of the Bible, Matthew and Luke. Matthew was a tax collector, clearly a conservative, and so he talks about rich people coming to see Jesus. Luke was a doctor, clearly a socialist, and he talks about poor people coming to see. And today, we've been talking really about the Christmas story from Luke's perspective. And Luke talks about an angel appearing to shepherds around Bethlehem. Now, there were plenty of shepherds around Bethlehem. The hills around Bethlehem had lots of sheep. And these sheep were, in many ways, specifically bred for the religious sacrifices that went on in the temple. But the Old Testament demanded that the sheep that were going to be sacrificed had to be perfect. Lambs that were perfect, no blemish, no bruise, no five-legged animals, no one-eyed animals. These had to be absolutely perfect. And of course, the shepherds never knew when one of the ewes was giving birth, whether she was going to give birth to a perfect lamb or just something that was sweet but a bit gimpy. So when came out, one came out that was perfect, they would take care of it specially. And tradition has it that they used to take the perfect lamb and they used to wrap the perfect lamb in cloth bands. And then they used to take the wrapped lamb and they used to kind of put it on its back in a manger, which is like a V-shaped trough that the animals used to eat out of. That way it wouldn't roll around, it wouldn't hurt itself, it wouldn't get kicked by the other animals or its mother. It was kept absolutely perfect. 
So imagine how surprised these shepherds were when the angel came to them and said, hey, you need to go down to Bethlehem because Mary and Joseph are going to have a baby and you will find him. He will be wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. Surprising, isn't it? To most of us, it wouldn't have meant uh, anything to us. But to the shepherds, it meant an awful lot. They saw the significance of the smaller thing. It's amazing that God wanted to reveal his plan, not to the religious elite, but to the workmanlike shepherds. These shepherds were not necessarily the most popular people in town. They were always working seven days a week. And they used to live and sleep with the sheep. They smelt of the sheep. But they knew their stuff and they went down and checked out the story and found that it was true. And then we read they went around the town of Bethlehem and told everybody what they had seen. And people were amazed. About a month after the birth, we read that Mary and Joseph, because of the teaching of the Old Testament, had to go to the temple and make a sacrifice. And the sacrifice they had to make after the birth of their firstborn was going to be a lamb and a turtle dove. But because they couldn't afford a lamb, they had to take two turtle doves. And the Bible tells us they took two turtle doves, two pigeons, along to the temple with their baby to have the sacrifice. At the same time, there was an old boy called Simeon. Simeon was a very godly man, but he was getting on in age. And during his life, God had said to him that he would not die before he'd seen the saviour of the world. The same day that Mary and Joseph chose to go down to the temple, God spoke again to Simeon and inspired him to go to the temple at the same time. So he turned up up to the temple and it would have been a very crowded day like any other day at the temple. And in the temple was Mary and Joseph and a little baby. There wouldn't have been anything particularly significant about the baby as you saw him. He didn't have a halo round his head, no matter what art says. There was no angels flying just above them. There were no spotlights. There was no entourage around them. You would not have picked them out. In fact, they looked pretty poor, as if the parents hadn't got two pennies to rub together. Their sacrifice said that because they could only afford two pigeons. But inspired by God, Simeon walks over to Mary and he takes the baby from Mary and he looks down into the eyes of this baby and then looks to heaven and says, okay God, I can die in peace now because you have showed me the saviour of the world, the light that has come to show the way to you. And then he looked at Mary and Joseph and he said, "Um, your son is going to be rejected by many in Israel. And that's going to be for their undoing. But there are many who will see this baby as their greatest joy. Simeon and his generation had been looking for a savior had been looking for somebody to come to completely change the life that they led completely change the country they lived in they had been looking for the messiah 
And as far as Simeon was concerned, as he looked into the eyes of this baby, he'd seen it. The saviour of the world. The light. The lamb of God. It's funny, if I was looking for somebody to change this country, somebody powerful enough to make that kind of change, I'm not sure I'd been looking for a baby. I'd be looking for somebody strong and powerful, well-connected. It would have been my way to look for the bigger present, for the bigger gift. But Simeon realized that the small gift was the important one. I was working last week in Oslo, in Norway, and um, talking to the guy out there, I just kind of happened to mention to him that I didn't know whether I'd be able to put up with the fact that only, you only have five hours of daylight um, at the moment in, in Norway, and uh, he just happened to say to me, it wasn't that bad, but he said it was going to get better. And I said, how is it going to get better? And he said, well, in two days' time, it's the 21st of December, and that will be the longest night, the shortest day. And after that, the days will get longer. He said, that's why we used to celebrate Christmas around that time, because that's what we were celebrating, that the darkness had gone because the light was coming. Now, when I showed you my kind of pen, you laughed. You mocked me, but I can take it. But actually, my pen really comes into its own in darkness. Let me show you. It's good, isn't it? 2,000 years ago, a baby was born... And for some shepherds, an old man, a carpenter, and his young wife, it was of incredible significance. For many, they might have missed it. But in Simeon's words, this was the light of the world. Come to change the world that he came to live in. Now, you might have been to many carol services. You might have been to a lot of nativity plays. You might have heard the story of Jesus' birth countless times. But you haven't quite grabbed hold of the idea that this small gift, apparently, has such an amazing impact. And I want to challenge you this Christmas Eve to look again at this apparent small gift, not this pen, It represents the light of the world. Come to change you, to change me, to change the world that we live in. Let's have the lights up and let's just pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this season. We thank you for the opportunity to celebrate the birth of your son. We thank you for sending your son who came as a baby to change this world. Father, I just pray for those who are here who've heard this story so many times, but it only affects them on 
these couple of days, I just pray that they will take something from what they've heard tonight through the stories that have been shared, through the songs that have been sung, that they might realize that this light is a light that could shine in their life throughout eternity. Keep this word in their heart. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Bless you. Thanks, Steve. One of my favorite verses in the Bible is, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever would believe in him will not perish, but would receive eternal life. And I want to really encourage you, and we as a church want to really encourage you to believe in Jesus Christ. He is God's Son who came into the world for you and for me. And I pray that this Christmas would be special because you put your faith and you believe in Jesus Christ.